Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey everybody, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life. And no matter where you are today, whether you're watching online or you're streaming in your car as you drive, we just want to say thank you for engaging with today's message. We hope that no matter where you are in life, it will be an encouragement to you and that it will cause you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We also want to challenge you and say don't leave today without taking the next step that you need to take in your faith journey. One of the ways that we can help you with that is if you go to branchlife.church, you'll find steps there on how to take that next step for you. Again, we're thankful that you've engaged with us today, and we hope that we'll see you in the weeks to come. Hey guys, Josh here. Thanks for joining us for week two of our Overflow series. If you didn't catch week week one, jump back to branchlife.church where you can jump in and see what we're talking about. We're in a series called Overflow based on the verse in Matthew, out of the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. And we're talking about some good words. As a matter of fact, for the rest of 2020 at Branch Life Church, we're talking about good things because we think we think we need a little bit more emphasis on the good. So we're talking about good words in this series. Next series, we're going to talk about good news. And the series after that, we're going to talk about a good life. And in this series, as we talk about some good words, we're highlighting five phrases that you should say every day. And while they're great phrases and we may have aspirations to say these five things, we will not say them every day unless they come from a heart that is filled and overflowing because of our relationship with God. So we want to encourage you this ways. I There's a couple of TV shows that have become modern classics. And one of my favorites is a show called Extreme home makeover. Now, this is where they find a family that's in need and they surprise them and they literally come and build them a brand new house. You've seen this show. It's the one where it ends with move that bus, move that bus. It's an incredible show, right? You watch the whole thing and at the end uh, when they're revealing a new house, they're crying, you're crying, the builders are crying, everybody's crying. Even my dog cries at the end of Extreme Makeover. It just touches you so in such an incredible way. At the beginning of each episode, after they surprise the family, they call in the volunteers. It's a pretty powerful moment. It's like kind of should be one of those slow motion moments where the people come walking in and they call over the volunteers and it's it's dozens and sometimes hundreds of people, typically in the blue shirts and the white hats that are charging in and they're going to work together over the next week to build a brand new house. 
this is, it's an incredible moment for a community. Usually the builders are volunteer, usually the, the family members and the friends and the neighbors and the coworkers and the teammates, everybody's all in to help this family out. It's a great, great show. Wouldn't it be even better if this was reality? I mean, if this was a actual picture of every gospel believing church, if our churches were a part of these moments over and over and over again, where we were in the blue shirts and the white hats rallying behind a cry to help a family to swoop in and to use our time, to use our gifts, to use our talents, to lift somebody up and to truly come together as a community and help other people. I believe that God has designed the church to look like this. And just imagine if the church would come alive to be able to help others in this way, not once every week uh, for an episode of TV, but all the time. At Branch Life Church, this is a value and a passion for us. We believe in being for our town, for being for Pottstown and the Pottstown area. We exist to serve and to love our neighbors because of the love of God. And the phrase that we are talking about today, one of these five phrases that we want to say all the time and every day is simply this, how can I help? How can I help? Isn't that a powerful phrase? You know, a lot of times when we're dealing with someone that's going through hard times and are needy in some way, we often go and, and, and try to be present there. We shoot them a text, make a phone call, go for a visit. And we'll often leave that conversation with the closing thought. And we usually say something like this. If you need anything, let me know. And that is a very well-intentioned phrase. I've used it all the time. But can I suggest a better closing thought. You see, when you say to someone, if you need help, let me know, you're basically saying, I'm going to be over here and I'm leaving it kind of on you to call for the kind of help that you need. And, and you're, you're kind of throwing the ball into their court. If, if instead of saying, if you need help, let me know, if you could say, train yourself to say this phrase, you'd find it have a more powerful impact. The phrase is how can I help? That's an immediate action phrase. It's a phrase that expresses not only your love and your care and concern, but gets to the core of the moment. And the answer to that question will give you marching orders, will give you opportunities, will open doors for you. And the person that you ask that question to can genuinely express the help that is needed in that very moment. Not waiting till a later day, not going on with your business and waiting for another text, but saying in that moment, how can I help? And sometimes the family or the, the person that you're talking to may simply say, pray for me. And that's a powerful way to help anybody. Or they, they may say, you know what? I don't know right now. I'll let you know later. And the same spirit of the communication is expressed. But, but imagine if we said, how can we help to people all day, every day? Maybe you walk into your home after a long day at work and you see your wife and you give her the hi and hellos and, and you look at her and you say, hey, honey, how can I help? What would her answer be? I guarantee she's probably not going to say, hey, go, just go and pray for me for a little bit. 
She's probably going to have a list of things that would be extremely helpful to her in that moment. Teenager, when you get home from practice and you find your mom working in the kitchen and you come in and you're starving, you need something to drink, you're ready to move on with the rest of your night, rest of your night. What if you stopped and said, mom, how can I help? And mom would be able to say, you know what, could you set the table for me? Could you go check on your little brother? Could you let the dog in or let the dog out? There's probably going to be some sort of assignment there in your, in that moment. And, and moms are great at looking at and figuring out how to help. It's kind of the rest of us that need this encouragement. You might say, how can I help to a teacher or to a coach or to a pastor or to a friend? And the church should be full of people that are incredibly good at asking the question, how can I help? Every day. And, and, and again, imagine it. If this was the way the church and the way that everyone who loved God interacted with other people with this spirit and this posture, it would be life transforming. But here's the truth of the matter. A lot of us are fans of the idea of helping, but we're not actually fans of helping. Let me ask you the question this way. What would you rather do? Help somebody in need or watch Netflix? Would you rather would you rather help your sister clean her room or play a video game? Would you rather go, give yourself an evening out assisting someone to get groceries or watch a football? It's 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 interesting when we start putting it to brass tacks because we often spend a lot of times on ourselves and the things that we want to do. And while we want to or like the idea of helping people, when it actually comes down to it, we often are simply helping ourselves. And so today, as we ask this question, we're going to learn how we can fill ourselves up spiritually in such a way that we literally learn how we can help. How we can help. So we're going to ask the question this way from Psalm 46. We're going to look at this phrase and we're going to learn how I can help. Because there's lots of ways that you can help people other in, in every single day. But because you are a follower of God, you are uniquely empowered to help people in a special and a particular way because you have the presence, the strength, and the energy of God filling you. Because you are a follower of God, you will be able to help people in, in special and powerful ways. And the help that you can provide is not only day-changing, moment-changing, but life-changing and eternity-changing. So, Christian, lean in as we answer this question and we talk about how you can help other people during this season. You see, what we're going to look at in Psalm 46 is simply this phrase. We help others because God first helped us. As a Christian, we help others because God first helped us. It's the same phrase that we hear often. We love God because he first loved us. And that is true. And so is this. We are going to see in Psalm 46 that our desire, our ability, our aim to help other people, to even ask this question comes from, roots from, overflows from the fact that God has already helped us. Look at Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles, we'll read this psalm together. In Psalm 46, starting in verse 1, I have the first three verses here, but we're going to read through the entire psalm. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help 
in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble as it is swelling. That would terrify me. That would make me be afraid if all of a sudden mountains started moving into the ocean. It, the, imagine the ginormous earthquakes that split the tectonic plates and created the continents that we have. If you were an observer of that, wouldn't that be terrifying? But if God is our refuge and strength and our very present help in the time of trouble, then fear is not our emotion in that moment and time. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, that city, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. When the earth is shaking, God is bigger than it all. He's bigger than the kingdoms. He's bigger than the seasons. He's bigger than natural disasters. When God breathes, the earth melts. Why do I not fear the things that happen on this earth? Because God is bigger and more powerful than those things. And he is my refuge and my strength. God is my fortress. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth, and he makes war cease and the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, and the Lord of hosts is with us, the, the God of Jacob is our fortress. How can I help? How do I have the ability to help other people? As, as a believer and as a follower in God, the reason I can help, the way I can help, is found in this chapter. God is our refuge and strength. You see, I can help people because I don't help them in my strength. I help them in God's strength. I can help people because God has already helped me. I'm safe. I'm protected. I'm supplied for. My, my needs are met when I have God. And because God is my protector and my strength, I now am able to help other people. Yes, even in the time of trouble. Repeated in this chapter over and over again is, is this phrase. And, and two times, it's kind of a part of the poem. It sums everything up. And twice it ends with this idea, the Lord is with us and God is our fortress. Why are you as a Christian uniquely positioned to help other people? Hey, I've, I've met a lot of non-Christians out there who help other people. As we've been working with the Ashwood Fire families, uh, we've been working with all kinds of community members, some that follow Jesus and some don't, and they're offering their help to people. What unique opportunity do I have to insert help in a special way that others cannot offer? Well, I have the unique ability to have the Lord with me and, and to have the protection of God as my fortress. I'm bringing 
the angel armies into the situation, into the family, into this trial. As a matter of fact, I have the very thing that can help that person the most. Yes, I can help with groceries and yes, I can be present and listen and yes, I can supply uh, needs and, and give some financial aid. I can do all of those things, but I can also bring you closer to a relationship with the God of the universe. A lot of us have been able to take some time this summer to go to the beach, and this would be a very normal situation, at finding yourself at the beach, getting ready to go for a swim, and just glancing to make sure that the lifeguard is there. I don't know if you have conversations with the lifeguard. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to distract them from doing what they're supposed to do, and that's guarding the people they're swimming. But it would be interesting if you decided to go up to a lifeguard and say, oh, excuse me, Mr. Lifeguard, I'd like to talk to you about your swimming abilities. Uh, could you tell me uh, how many swimming lessons you take and how long you've been swimming? And, and uh, could you demonstrate to me that you actually know how to swim? Because wouldn't it be a disaster if you got out into the ocean and you found yourself in trouble? You found yourself starting to drown and you thought, I needed the help of the lifeguard. And all of a sudden the lifeguard got out there and he turns out he couldn't swim either. It'd be kind of like being in the same sinking boat with somebody else and saying, hey, I'm sinking, help me. And the other person looks at you and says, no, 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 I'm sinking too, help me. You need somebody more powerful than you. You need someone stronger than you. You need someone that's actually got the ability to rescue you, to be your lifeguard. God is that lifeguard for us. God is the one who's able to come in and is able to save us. Nobody else is able to save our souls. Nobody else is able to, to change our eternity. We can't do it for ourselves and we can't do it for other people. Only God can save us from our true trouble. God is the one who brings spiritual healing and eternal life. Some of you have been trying to fix your problems, your brokenness, and take care of your sin your way. Some of you have been trying to say, you know what, if I'm good enough, if I go to church enough times, if I do enough right things, if I read the Bible enough, then surely, surely God will let me into heaven when that day comes. That's not how it works. You can't do enough good things to save yourself. The Bible says that each of us are desperately wicked. Each of us have a sin problem that can only be solved by a personal relationship with God. That's why Jesus, who, who God who loves us so much, sent his son to die for us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that his death could stand in substitute to our death and we would never have to die, but spiritually live forever with God. When we realize that we have been saved by the power of God, we now have a, a unique ability, a unique, unique opportunity to save others. When times of disaster comes, when everyone around us then is drowning, we are able to be on duty as the lifeguards. We're able to stand in calm when the earth is shaking. During this pandemic, have, have we as Christians been uh, uh, an example of calm confidence in the Lord, not, not stupid, unwise behavior, but calm confidence in the Lord that God's got me and God's got this. Yes, I'm going to follow the instructions of those that, that know better about pandemics and disease, 
but I'm going to trust in God as I walk through this so that I can actually help other people in this season. That's the picture of the church. That's the host of the television show calling in the volunteers and we come charging in with our blue shirts and our white hats and yes, with our masks on, ready to serve and to help people, ready to be the life givers in this situation, ready to come in. Why should churches, church people be running in when other people are running away? Because God is our refuge and our fortress. That's how we can help. So to sum up Psalm 46 in another way, we would simply say it like this. In times of trouble, the gospel gives me certainty and confidence to help another. Here's one of the powerful truths about the gospel. The gospel is not just the thing that saves us. Yes, I need to believe in the good news of Jesus in order to have my sins forgiven. But the gospel also empowers us to live every day the gospel way. The gospel informs my everyday life. J.D. Greer says that it like this. The gospel is not just the diving board that gets us into the pool. It is the pool. We swim in the power of the gospel every day. And here is some... Uh, uh, a very tangible example of how the gospel makes a difference in my life now. When I have the gospel, when I believe that God is powerful enough to save me and save my soul, then I have certainty and confidence in that God, which allows me then to help another. It, it can be said even in a simpler way. So we'll boil it down to this. And many churches say it in this way, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. Once you have been saved by the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, now you can serve people. You have now the heart that has been turned from a self-focus to a other's focus. You have been transformed by the power of the gospel to be an influencer in this world with the good news of Jesus Christ, to be able to love people the way that God loved and to be able to reach them in ways that God is calling you to reach them. God is asking us to be his hands, his feet, and his mouth in this season. And God is calling us to do some incredible things for the power and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because saved people serve people. You know, in the New Testament, when Jesus was walking and talking, he was instructing people in different things. And he used parables and stories to give some of those examples. And when it comes to this phrase, how can I help? Jesus had some very specific teaching for you and for I. In the New Testament, if you have a red letter Bible, this entire chapter is in, is in red letter because these are the very words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, in verses 25 to 37, Jesus himself teaches us how to help. He teaches us very clearly how to help other people. In this, in this chapter, if you want to go there, we'll read it together. Luke chapter 10, we'll see a very famous story that you have maybe heard a couple of other times. So I'll summarize it for you this way. But let me jump in and starting in verse 25. And it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test. He said, Teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a gospel question. That's a, that's a what do I do to get my sins forgiven question. And Jesus says to him, What is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, this and this is this is the greatest commandment the 
the questioner answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So Jesus is about to teach us how to help other people. And he's reminding us of the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's that's it. That's, that's number one. That's the top of the list. And the second is like it, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is going to now tell us a story that's going to demonstrate how this gospel-empowered truth works. And he tells us the story in the rest of this chapter that we have come to know as the Good Samaritan. There was a man walking on a trail from one town to the other who was ambushed by robbers. He was beaten and stripped and left for dead. On the side of the road, he was... Uh, left to die and other travelers passed by. Different travelers, some from the same town where he was from, some of the same religious, pious men, leaders of their day came and saw the beaten man dead, getting ready to die on the side of the road and passed him by. But the third man that came, the man from the other town, the man from the other faith who didn't know this man, who, who, who didn't have an association with this man, stopped and had mercy on him. And this Samaritan man picked up the beaten and bloody man, put him on his mule, took him to the hotel, paid for his care, and said to the hotel uh, owner, take care of him. And as much as it costs, I will come back and pay the debt. And he did just that. Those that were listening to the story said to Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus said to them, who, who is the neighbor to the man that was beaten? Was it the people from the same town or was it the Samaritan from a different town who came and had mercy? And they said to Jesus, it was the man who showed mercy mercy. That's who the neighbor was. When the Bible says to love your neighbor, he's talking about loving the people around you who are in need. And Jesus said to the crowd, go and do likewise. So there's, there's four quick truths that Jesus teaches from this simple story. The first one is simply this. Love of God always leads to love of neighbor. Love of God always leads to love of neighbor. These two commandments cannot be separated. And when you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you are going to love your neighbor because God is our strength and our refuge. When you have been helped by God, you will now help other people. You know, there's been many times in my life where God has been present and helpful to me. I've been thankful over and over again to see God in very real ways come in and save the day. I remember specifically, and this is a, this is a stupid story and I've told it before, but man, it's impacted my life in incredible ways. I was a landscaper and my job was to mow the lawns of people. And my boss dropped me off one day with a push mower and a giant lawn. He said, all I want you to do is get this lawn mowed. I'll come pick you up at the end of the day. It is your one job for the day. And I got halfway through that job and my lawn mower died. And I was devastated. I couldn't 
finish my work. I, I, I wasn't going to please the boss. I was going to leave the guy that, that, and I didn't know what else to do. I tried everything I could do to fix the lawnmower. And I just remember getting ready to give up and in frustration saying, God, I, I just need a little help here. The next pull on the lawnmower, it came back to life and I was able to finish the job. I am not a mechanic. I cannot explain what happened in that moment, whether it was mechanical or miraculous, but I believe it 100% of the time that God was my help in time of trouble. God has helped me in times of trouble when I've gone through loss. God has helped me in times of trouble when I've when we faced disaster, when 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 we didn't know whether or not we were going to be able to have kids. God was the one who assisted us in many 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 of those times. It was God who sent other people to help. God sent other people as his hands and feet. God sent other people with their generosity and their kindness. God sent them into my life to assist me. And God has been my refuge and my strength. And in every single one of those moments, when I see God work, when I see God provide, I am reaffirmed in this truth that now I can go and help another. I can be the one that represents God's love, that are God's hands and feet, and can give God's word and God's encouragement because I have been loved deeply by God. The more that my love for God grows, the more that my love for neighbor will grow. And I will be the one that helps. In this story of the Good Samaritan, we also see this crazy truth, and we I wish I had more time to go into it, but debt destroys generosity. Remember, the Good Samaritan was able to do some pretty incredible things in that moment. It was a very expensive proposition to help that man. He had the donkey to put the, the, the man on. That's That shows some status. He was able to cover the payments, the medical and the room and board. That shows some financial wherewithal. But if I don't have those things, if I if I'm not in a place where where I'm if I'm just barely scraping by, I'm not going to be able to be generous. This can be financial debt. This could be busyness in life and season. I'm so busy. I'm so consumed with what I have. My my time debt destroys my generosity to be giving to others. And it, it could be in all kinds of ways. Generous people uh, don't have debt. But margin multiplies mercy. Margin gives you the ability. If I have, if I have built into my week space, if I built into my budget space, and I've been disciplined in such a way that I know I can give now, I'm, I'm able to multiply the mercy that I can help on, that I can give to other people. A lot of people like the idea of help, but when it comes down to it, they just can't. They don't have time. They don't have money. They don't have the energy. But God says, hey, go and do likewise. We're supposed to be in a position as Christ followers that we can go and generously give to other people. For many of you, you generously give to the church on a regular basis, and that empowers us to be able to do the things that God has asked us to do. When you give generously to the church, we're able to turn around and give generously to other people. And so thank you for those that give. Some of you give generously in financial ways. Some of you give generously in, in, in of your time and your energy and your gifts and talents. 
We have incredible musicians that, that give their musical talent to help serve. We have people that come and take care of the grounds and the facilities. There's a guy here named Jim that is here for hours and hours every week simply serving behind the scenes to make sure that everything is put together and in order. That's an incredible, incredible gift of generosity. And these gifts that they give, when, when you give, you bless other people, are, are only able to be given if you have them to give. That's why God says, give your first fruits to the church. When you plan your budget, when you plan to give to God, you need to take that first part of it, that, that first 10%, and you need to be able to give it away to others. Why does he tell us that? Not because he wants 10% of everything he owns. He tells us that because he wants us to have margin so we can multiply mercy. He wants us to be able to set ourselves up in a way that we're in a position where we can be generous and helpful to other people. And if we plan to help others, then we're able to help people in an, in an incredible and amazing way. Does your budget include generosity? Do you give yourself margin so that you can simply help other people? Does the way that you schedule your time allow for the freedom to help serve in your community, it, to help to help your family serve and give to others? At Branch Life Church, we believe in this multiplying margin principle so much that we've set up our schedule in a way that frees up our church to be able to serve and love other people. As we've gone through our, our growth process, we encourage you to go from attending and being a part of Sunday mornings to getting involved in a small group because small groups are extremely important. Circles are better than rows. And in that small group and in that smaller community within the church, we ask that you serve other people. And there's going to be some weeks where that group gets together and studies God's word and pray together. And we think that is incredible. But what we are planning to do, what we ask our groups to do is to have a certain amount of margin. Now take the next week and serve in some way. And give that night, plan to give that night to acts of kindness to other people. And our small groups have been incredible in serving in big and small ways, in reaching out to people they don't know and serving people that they're directly connected to. And we just want to continue to see this multiply as the churches grow, as we have more groups, as we have more opportunities to serve. We're asking you, even in your relationship with the church, to build in margins so that you can be active in serving and loving your neighbor. You know what? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And at Branch Life Church, we want to be known as people that care for our neighbors so that we can tell them what we know. Now, this incredible story where God says, hey, go and do likewise. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. We want you to to love God and lead to love of neighbor, make sure that you live in a way that enables you to be generous and multiplies mercy so that you can be the one that are helping other people. Where do I start? How do I, how do I become someone who is good at asking the question, how can I help? Well, I've already said a couple of times, just start at home. Ask people around you, the ones that you rub shoulders with in big and small ways, how you can help. 
Before you do something for yourself, do something for someone else. You can pray a prayer as you go through your quiet time with God each day. And God, show me how to help someone today. That's a powerful, powerful prayer. When you are reminded what God has done for you, you're then able to go and serve other people in big and small ways. But here at Branch Life Church, we've encouraged you to think about one person. One person that you can be instrumental in in loving and in helping in 2020. As a matter of fact, we've asked it this way. Who's your one? Who's one person you would love to see come to Christ? Who's one person that you would see, you would love to see God be able to transform and to become their refuge and their strength? And as you ask this question, there is one person out there for you that you can help. Someone that you can pray for every day by name. There is one person that you can invest in, that you can, you can reach out to, that you can help, that you can be a supply for. Someone that you can check in on and, and, and just walk through life together. And that one person can be someone that you invite to Christ, that you invite to church, that you invite to an online service, that you invite to a small group setting. And it's just one. It's just one person to start with. It's, it's a pretty simple and powerful way to boil this down. Is there one person out there that God is calling you to help? And who is it? Pray about it every day. Build, invest in a person every week and invite them as, as many times as the opportunity presents themselves to Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you that are a part of Branch Life Church, how's it going? How's your one doing? How, how has the pandemic been for them? Have you been able to check in? Have you been able to be a support? Have you been able to assist in big and small ways? An encouraging text, a, a, a late night grocery run? Have you been able to, to reach out to them now that school has started and, and just let them know that you're praying for them as there's kind of these crazy seasons and these ebbs and flows? What's the next big thing on their horizon and, and, and what can you do in the name of God to support them as they take those steps? It's been awesome over the last two weeks to hear of two ones that have come to Christ. Two people at Branch Life Church that have praying for, investing in, and inviting uh, friends, neighbors, and loved ones into a relationship with Jesus have decided to become followers of Jesus ones that they were praying for during 2020. We're excited at at this next outdoor service to be involved in a baptism of one of those ones, and we're going to show that to you in an upcoming broadcast. But we can't wait to see what God does as we get good at asking this question, how can I help? And then being allowed to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is ultimately the best way that uh, that we can help people during this season. You know, if you become someone that's good at helping others, Psalm 41 has some closing thoughts for you. We've often heard it said that God helps those that help themselves. That is not biblical. That is not something that comes from the word of God. So let's read from Psalm 41, how God helps those who help others. God is in the business of helping those who help others. In Psalm 41, in the first three verses, it says this, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. All right. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. The next three verses are about this one. The one who helps someone financially. The one who helps someone who's struggling, who's hurting, or who is in need. 
Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Who's the him? The one. The helper is who God delivers. The Lord protects him. The Lord keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him and in his sickbed, and he is in his illness. You restore him to full health. Psalm 41 teaches us that God helps those who help others. Listen, this is a full circle moment because you have been saved by God, because God is your refuge and your fortress. You are then empowered by the gospel and motivated by the love of God to help other people in big and small ways to get good at asking the question, how can I help? And then the Bible teaches when you help someone at the full other end of that circle, God then comes back and comes back and blesses you for being the one that helps others. God cares for you. God delivers you. God protects you. God heals you in your time of trouble. Listen, if we believe the gospel, we have confidence in, 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 the, in the person of God so that we can go and confidently help others. When God has filled our hearts, when we're trusting God fully with everything, our hearts will overflow. And out of the overflow of the, our hearts, our mouths will speak, how can I help? It's a powerful question. And it's one of the five phrases that we're looking at in this series based on Gordon McDonald's insights from The View at 80. Be quick to say with sincerity, thank you. Well done. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And how can I help? Imagine with me together if the church got good at saying these phrases, if our hearts overflowed and these became regular daily phrases that God empowered us to use in the relationships that we have, it would be transforming. Our ones would see the love of Jesus and be offered a relationship with Jesus. We would be able to transform our marriages, our homes, our churches, and our communities. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. At Branch Life Church, we believe the deeper your connection with Christ, the farther your reach. The more that you are filled with the love of God, the more that you will do with that love of God. So we are excited about next week. We want to invite you to join us as we look at another one of these phrases. And if you've watched this far in our online service, there's something else you've got to do. We want to invite you to fill out a response card, whether you're a regular part of Branch Life Church or someone that's just been a part for this, this video. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's live on Sunday or on our rebroadcast. And we want to hear about your one. Let us know who we can be praying for. Let us know who you're helping. If you have any needs, let us know. And if God enables us to do it, we would love to come alongside of you and practice what we preach. And we want to be praying for you and for those needs. How has God encouraged you today? You can share it with it on that card. 
And if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, if you don't know that strength, but today you want God to be your refuge and strength, we want to encourage you to go to the Gospel tab. These things are being linked in your chats beside you. And the Gospel tab will simply explain what we've already said, that in order to have life eternal, you've got to confess your sins and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. And if today you did that, if today you decided to become a follower of Jesus, we would love to hear from you and to be able to celebrate that. We're also celebrating baptisms at Branch Life Church. And if you're ready to get baptized, you can let us know on the response card. We invite you back next week to our our third week in the series Overflow. And we'll look at our third phrase that we can say every day from the book of Psalms. Now your homework this week is to go out and every day ask somebody how you can help. Have a great week.